Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Shankelberg. And this is Diana Dini. Hey, Diana. Hi, Fred. Hey. Um, we were, you know, we're chatting a little bit. And in your work, in, in your background and stuff, have you worked on the customer service side of a product or, or worked with the customer service side of a product? I have, um, you know, back to an internship days. <laughs> you, got a, um, you got a lot of cool internship projects. I, I really did. Um, yeah. And one of them was with a marketing department because I just wanted that kind of experience. Mm-hmm. I've been in the manufacturing floor for a lot. So what, what was it like in marketing? It's cleaner. So, yeah, it is, yeah, office work and cleaner. Um, so I did run a uh, customer service survey for them to gain some insights about their product okay. and reported it on them. So yeah, yeah, that's been, that was interesting. Yeah, well, we won't get into the details of what you found or name the company yeah. kind of thing. No, let's not do that. No, what piqued me about this that this topic is from my own experience working in companies and, and then also just at trying to solve problems at home or, you know, in general. Um, and it's one of the things that Kirk uh, often talks about is, you, you know, when we call as engineers, we call customer service, we often know way more than the person we're talking to and not all the time some companies have the design engineer or somebody very knowledgeable about their product or system answer the phone and and too many though have somebody reading a script yeah yeah that's what i was just gonna say there's a script that they're following Mm -hmm. oh my favorite by far and this hopefully won't turn into a rant is um uh we had a branch fall across our uh uh cable line and I think it was DSL or it was cable. I don't know, whatever it was connecting to the house, the internet was down. And I called and said, a branch fell and broke the wire connecting the house to the pole. And we need one of your service trucks to come out and reattach us. Well, sir, have you tried restarting your modem? <laughs> no, because the cable pulled it through the wall and it's just a pile of ash right now. <laughs> Can I send you a picture? <laughs> I know what the problem is. Well, sir, you need, I can't see your modem from here. Well, let me explain why that might be. The cable is not connected to it. <laughs> oh, but you know, you know, I think part of the problem is we are engineers. So we have a problem and then we start troubleshooting and mm-hmm. start to try to fix it so yeah we by the time we call customer service we're already you know three-fourths through the check sheet questionnaire that they that they ask well I, every now and then I've, and i've called and it's usually a computer related issue of some sort as i call and i explain the problem and i hear either a sigh of oh it's one of these engineers or i hear a well, it sounds like you know what you're talking about. Let me approach it this way. Instead of saying, hey, you know, move your cursor to the left and up here and do that uh, and read the script. Have you tried looking at blah, blah, blah in some technical term? Oh, yeah. And then we get into it. And it really depends on how much flexibility the person you're talking to has and how much knowledge they have. Um, 
in part of it. I think, yeah, some of it itself, we're so deep into the problem already and troubleshooting it um, that we're beyond the script. And that throws some service agents off because they're being monitored for following the script, which is, mm -hmm. it, that one always bugged me. One of the, but here's the, here's the real issue. I mean, there's all this variability of when you call a company, whether you're within a company, you're trying to call a vendor and get something troubleshot or, or uh, solved, or you have a failure of some sort and you need some insights or you're troubleshooting a problem at home or wherever. At some point, we got to call customer service. But how do you do the problem solving techniques like 8D, right? Or other techniques for root cause analysis type stuff over the phone with somebody that has a very narrow funnel of, of what you know about the problem. Oh boy. <laughs> there's that sigh again. See, so, <laughs> Did so it there's, again. <laughs> yeah, there's two things. Well, like you mentioned, you know, the customer service agent might throw out a technical question. If, if you acknowledge, you know what it's about, then they know to go in that direction with you. Mm -hmm. If they or have maybe, permission. Yeah. Right. Or, or if not, so that's, that's the customer service agent getting to know the customer and what their capabilities are for mm -hmm. helping to fix the problem on their end. Um, but yeah, then, then, that, then that's the opposite problem too. Um, if we're the customer calling in with the customer service agent, we kind of have to judge how far they're going to be able to take us without really knowing their system. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It, it's to be fair is you have to understand that they may be very constrained at what they're permitted to do or not do and so on, which usually is not a good sign. Hence that uh, cable down discussion. I actually did send her a picture. <laughs> <laughs> I put little pieces of paper that look like sparks off the end of it. <laughs> hopefully it would motivate her to get somebody out there quicker. It's a cable line, so it's low voltage. It's not sparking, yeah. but it made it look like it was sparking little dagger lightning bolts coming off of it. <laughs> it didn't help. Yeah, I, I don't think that, that might have hurt you. <laughs> yeah. So, but the recently um, I ran into an experience where, I, and I talked about it with Kirk a couple of weeks or on a previous episode briefly, but the the issue was is that I ran into a problem. Something wasn't working that typically just worked. And then it was like magic. It just worked. I didn't have to think about it. And it didn't work. And I'm troubleshooting. And, and I'm at the point where I'm out of ideas. So there were four entities involved with this. That, um, and it, Without getting into the details of it, but four different things, systems, have to work together in order for the results to occur. And it's... And, I hesitated calling one of them because I knew the customer support there was just going to blame, say, well, it's not our problem. <laughs> it's one yeah. of the other three. And they did. Eventually they told me that. Um, and then said that the other one they gave me was, oh, we know about that problem now. And it's, um, it's isolated to unique circumstances. And we're, there's a software update coming said sometime in the future that might take care of it. I says, well, that doesn't solve the problem today. You know, so the the idea of of brainstorming was just beyond these folks for whatever. But the, the another group that ended up having absolutely nothing to do with the problem whatsoever of the source of the issue 
was the one that helped me actually figure out what the root cause was. They asked the sequence of questions to help me frame the problem because they had more knowledge about the inner workings of these systems than I did. So they had a perspective that asked the right questions so that I could work with the other three agencies and, and on my own system to figure out where the root cause most likely was. But I don't know why that isn't natural. And if, if the other agencies can't do that for me, how can I help them do that? that? That's where I ran into a dilemma or frustration over the last couple of days trying to solve this particular problem. No, I, I guess I, I had a re similar problem recently where, yeah, there was um, something that I was trying to get uh, three to four things working together. And I tried the customer service for the one <laughs> and they pointed, same, same exact story. But there was one in the middle that they they told me outright what their limits were. Mm -hmm. They said, we can help you with these things or guide you, but we can't do X, Y, and Z. You'll have to do that yourself. Right. And I thought, well, that's okay. Cause they're, they're telling me their limits of how far they can take me, but they did help me as far as they could mm -hmm. and, you know, showed me things so that at least I could take that and do the next step with wherever I needed to do next or talk to the next you know, a customer service agent. I I had more information instead of just leaving me hanging. Right. So it was nice because I felt like I had a partner in trying to help solve my problem. And and uh, that made me think they had really good customer service, even though they weren't the ones to solve my problem. Right. <laughs> right. No, I agree. It was just a switch in uh, the ones I, is a pet peeve of mine is, oh, I'm here to help you solve that problem. Uh, uh, and and then they have no idea what they're talking about, or or and at the end of the day, say, well, that file doesn't exist on our system, so that's not our problem. Oh, so their heart's <laughs> in the right place, but they don't have the tools. Right, or it was just a script that they got, and oh, because well. <laughs> every time you call them, you get the exact same phrasing. So like, mm, this oh, doesn't seem oh. genuine anymore. Um, no, it, but one years and years ago, I had a phone that I used a, uh, a jack for a headset, right? It wasn't Bluetooth or wireless. And matter of fact, I still use a jack for a headset. I, I'm still wired, tethered to my phone when I'm on it. Um, but the plug inside the phone would fail. And knowing how these circuits worked and what kind of things, how they're connected and so on, it's, it's not hard to imagine that if you are plugging and unplugging a headset jack into a phone on a regular basis and traveling with it in your briefcase or with the jack still in there, it's getting lots of forces. And so eventually it just broke the solder joints right off the circuit board. Well, I had three of those happen in a year. And of course the warranty covered them all and they sent me out new phones each time. And I said, do you guys track failures and why things occur and why? Uh oh, <laughs> you, you put on your <laughs> your consulting hat. Yeah, you know, I put on my reliability hat, and yeah. you know, you know, this is costing you a lot of money to, you know, can I, you know, tell you how I, oh, sir, we don't collect that information, you know, this kind of thing. I like. Do you talk to your engineering team at all about how things fail? Oh, I don't know. I don't think we do. It, it just goes up as a big number for how much money we're spending. <laughs> it's kind of, ah. Oh. Yeah, that, that, the, that's a problem, right? 
it's just the the silos with customer customer service. It, there's the whole team on the back end. Customer service might be the one that's dealing with the complaint, mm-hmm. but then you, there's a whole team of people behind them from engineering and and manufacturing and marketing that should all be looking at the trends, yeah. right? Um, well, in you know, in some companies there's key phrasing or words or triggers that say, oh, we're going to give you a return authorization. We'll ship you out a new part or a new product or whatever right away. Let's get this solved in order for them to get the product back so they can uh, troubleshoot it and, you know, diagnose it and figure out what it is. Um, but it, it just seems that some groups inherently want to know what was the environment? What's the symptoms? What's the, you know, what's the nature of the problem? Let's start that process of identifying the problem or, you know, I always think of it as the first step is to put the police tape around it and not disturb the scene. Let's get the information first. Um, but so many agents are just going, Hmm, have you tried rebooting? <laughs> okay. Well, that doesn't work. Um, sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then there's um, sometimes in order to get the right fix. Well, like you said, they're listening for certain keywords, mm-hmm. and yeah, the immediate fix is to send you a new phone. Right. But but now you're a customer here that's had three new phones in the last year, which which is not a it's sort of a big deal because you've got your data on there and you got to wait for your new phone, and this is a problem yep. for you. And I'm you know, so sending you a new phone all the time isn't fixing the the problem for you. No. And it's cost them, I got three, equivalent of three phones for the price of one and phone calls. See, I would rather just have the same phone all year and not <laughs> have to get a new one because of the hassle. Oh, I know. And, and yeah. I fully imagine that that agent was, you know, let's satisfy the customer and get him back into using the the feature you've been able to plug in a headset to this thing um, and get him a phone that works and that and that is what they defined as solving the problem but when we sit on the other side of that fence and we're behind the customer service between behind them and not on the customer side it's what did you ask him about what are they plugging into this thing? How are they storing it? You know, what what's the symptoms and environment around that so that when we get this phone back and this jack is mangled, you know, the connector is ripped off the circuit board, we got nothing <laughs> to sort this out, right? We don't, where I, I, it's part of that problem solving part is, well, what's the environment? What's the scenarios? What's the conditions? And, Asking just a handful of the right questions gives you so much more information that when we're sitting on the other side and trying to figure out how to make a better product or solve this particular issue, um, we have some information to work with. But that seems at odds with some customer service organizations where they're, they're just turnaround time, get you off the phone and make you happy, whatever, give you a new phone, you know, this kind of scenario. Yeah, well, it, it's um, it's thinking about the engineering team or the reliability engineering team as sort of a customer of the customer service department. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So they have to collect the data in order for the engineers to help look at it. But then again, on the other hand, 
engineers need to be communicating to customer service what type of information they want tracked or recorded mm -hmm. or maybe how they want things to be categorized or bucketed for trends. Um, and I think there's a responsibility there from engineering to communicate with that team because that team's going to have to use some sort of a complaint handling system and they're going to have to enter codes yep. and, and, and group things in order to just keep track of them. So I, I think it's, it would be worthwhile for the engineers to spend time to figure out just a little bit of time <laughs> to figure out how their systems work and then work with them to develop something that they can use on the back end too. Oh, I totally agree. And I also have found that it usually takes, there's, there, in most organizations I worked with where it's like, oh, you got field data? Let's go find it. What a pain. You know, it's, there are four variations of databases away, basically, not just in the next building. They're scattered over the country or over the world, and, and they're using incompatible systems. And who mm. wrote this script? No, what, what are you trying to get from people? And then there's just the silo of, you know, turnaround time, calls per hour kind of metrics on the call service people. So they don't really have the permission to spend time with them. But just even getting the data, much less feeding it forward. Um, one place we did is it was it was a really simple fix that everybody agreed would work. Was when we launched the product, the first hundred phone calls we got that there was a some physically wrong with the product. And it was a little bit of troubleshooting to sort out whether it was um, just how to use the product. You know, so you get calls like, "So where's the on button?" <laughs> you know. Um, which became a different problem we ended up having to figure out because if the number one call is, how do I turn this on? Then there's something wrong with the design. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, in the 90s, I had problems figuring out how to turn on the Apple computer because the IBM lab was just full. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll admit I had that problem. Oh, I agree. I remember I mean, when Carly... Uh, Fiona, Fiona, I've never been able to pronounce her last name. When she became the CEO of HP, one of her, she was there for a couple months and was talking to all these different groups. And one of her first presentations to the employees was, why is it that we have, you know, 4,000 different computer systems, you know, from servers and supercomputers to laptops and everything in between? But just in laptops, we have 18 different ways to turn the thing on and off. <laughs> why? <laughs> you know, why can't we put the on-off button on the right side, right there, all the time? <laughs> you know, something like that. And it was this outside perspective of, you know, for each individual product, it was left to the designer. Where's the power supply? What's the routing constraints? And they each solved it a different way. It, but she looked at it from the customer's point of view, going, you know, when you go to an Apple, it's on the back left of the monitor <laughs> on the IMAX. It's always there. It, every version of it. But anyway, part so of the... You, you know, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, so, you, so your complaints and you were gathering the first 100. Oh, yeah. Um, and the idea was is that it, it, instead of waiting till we got oh, you know enough complaints in a Pareto that said the power supplies were the number one source, let's get some power supplies back and troubleshoot them. Let's get the first hundred back of any complaints and and tear them down and figure out exactly what the problem was and sort out what was the 
source of do the root cause. And we actually had dedicated teams from the design team that were carried over during the first six months of the launch to, to do that. And so very educated people about that design looking for those nuances. And sometimes they'd find stuff that wasn't even related to the complaint that wasn't right in, in implementing fixes and changes to it. And the intention was is to get uh, catch all those things we didn't quite finish in the design as quick as possible. Sure. Rather than the typical process we had was the customer service would tally all this stuff up and then they'd say, oh, the power supply is your biggest Pareto. And that would be after a year. Right. Well, we've already finished production for that year's model. There's no opportunity to fix that for the current year. So yeah. We, so we shifted it further up. And I've tried explaining that to the customer service folks. You know, I, I can't imagine I'm the only person with this problem. Would you like to learn a little bit more? Or could you put me in touch with somebody that uh, can help engineer a solution for this? And sometimes that works in smaller companies in particular. In larger companies where it's an outsourced customer service center, it says, well, that's not our charter. That's not what we do. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, if it's too big, you can't take on the whole system. But maybe for the design that you're working on, you can maybe help help devise or, or plan out field monitoring for the product that you're working on now. What One idea I've read about and I've seen used successfully was that you know, during the design process, we often think of what's critical to quality and it goes into specifications and there's things we monitor in production or, you know, all, it gets used in that realm as a technique is for that same information to this customer service group. These are the areas we expect problems to be. And these are the kinds of symptoms you might experience customers mentioning or complaining about and then crafting ways for them to sort that out. Um, and what we found with that particular group is that customers responded to customer service agents that said, oh, it sounds like you've got this XYZ problem. You know, um, here's what we can do. Here's our three options, you know, as opposed to, oh, we've never heard of that before. <laughs> oh, that yeah. sounds like yeah, this is the first time I've heard about it. It must be your problem, not ours. Or the other standard answers where we just don't know. That's a good idea because that's empowering the customer service team with information that could be useful for the customer. Right. And um, it, I was involved in a project where, you know, it was it was a product that had been in the field for a while, but we were doing some some updates with the systems and, you know, looking at, at field data. Uh, so I, I bridged the product development risk management people. And there was an FMEA involved mm -hmm. and the complaint people and got them to talk together. And, and the engineers wanted the complaints to be logged or captured or certain questions to be answered to help them identify the root cause of, of the things that they were seeing in the mm -hmm. field mm -hmm. to be able to categorize them properly for trending. Right. And the, and so that, that was on the other end, the back end. So the, the complaint people liked having that information because they want something to happen with that information. They want people to use it and, and make things better so they get less calls. And the engineering team appreciated having more granularity to the information they were getting from the complaint people. They could relate it back to the FMEAs or, or do a quicker root cause analysis to 
to fix the customer's problem. So the, yeah, those are two ways that, you know, working backwards and then working forward to the customer too. Yeah. And it's a, you know, it's just closing the loop is why are we collecting this data? How is it being used? And then seeing the progress of that, that just reinforces it. So that's always good. That's um, true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just doomed. Anytime I call customer service, I expect too much. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> I expect miracles that they know exactly. Oh, push this button and twirl that knob and you'll be fine. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I, I had to call a, a customer service uh, person yesterday for something and, and they were helpful and they helped solve the problem. But um, I told them the problem, but then they started telling me all about their internal systems. Well, I got to talk to Joe down here at this department and we work out <laughs> something with, you know, Mary over here. And and I thought, I really don't need to know that. But, right. you know, I patiently listen. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate so that. is this going to happen? Yeah, we can do that within the next 24 hours. That's it. Great. Yeah, it sounds good. <laughs> well, next time we talk, we'll have to see if that actually turned out. If you got, you know, all these different <laughs> it did, people. Yeah. It, 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 okay. It, it, it did. Yeah. It, it all worked out. All right. Now, it well, so if you're listening to this, you, you got a customer service call coming up. Well, good luck. Have, hopefully you get a good agent. Uh, sometimes, you know, providing uh, information and helping them understand how they can help improve their product is, is going to work. And sometimes it just isn't. And I don't know what to do about when it just isn't. Um, but helping folks understand the basic root cause analysis process or asking the right questions. And when you run into somebody that follows those things, support them, you know, gather that information, run that log for them, or, you know, do whatever to, to help them troubleshoot and diagnose the problem so they can help you solve the problem. Um, but it goes all kinds of ways. But if you've got a, a cable lying down, laying in your yard, not connected to your house anymore, restart your modem. I, apparently that's the first step that you have to do. <laughs> and then turn it turn it off and on again. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Take the power cord out for 30 seconds and <laughs> plug it in. Um, but anyway, uh, if you've got a, a story with customer service or a question or a comment for us that you'd like us to talk about or uh, to think about, let us know. Head over to ascendoreliability.com slash go slash SOR. And you can find a way to leave us a voice message or a, or a written message. Diana and I and the others uh, hosts of the show are on LinkedIn and about pages on our on Ascendo. So there's plenty of ways for you to join the conversation. And we'd sure like to hear from you. Um, so with that, Diana, I'm going to see if I can avoid calling customer service today and see how it goes. Just, I, I hope you have no problems that everything goes well. Well, not if I'm working, then it's... <laughs> <laughs> You're going to find something, huh? Yeah, maybe I'll go for a walk instead. You know, <laughs> not take my phone. <laughs> oh, wish me luck. Good luck. All right, we'll talk to you later, Diana. Okay. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.